0: Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Guest.
1: Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 157. I'm Paul Spain, and with me is... Tim Haywood. Nate Dunn. Welcome along, guys. Great to have you both back on the show.
2: Thanks. Thank you. Great to be here.
1: Now, Tim, maybe give us a, a reminder of where you fit into the uh, the technology and telecommunications world in New Zealand. I look after the uh, handset range at 2 degrees. Very nice. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing a bit, of a, a bit of an update on what's happening in the handset uh, world as we dive in and, uh, and Nate.
0: How I fit in? I just You just randomly pulled me off the street and now I'm here. I work for a software company called 3Bit and we are zero add-on development partner thing meetings, So Plus I do a lot of stuff on Geekstern and, and I'm Nate on Twitter. There we are. There you go. You're claim to phone. Well, good to uh, good to have you back again.
1: Let's jump in. Quite a lot of uh, tech news happening locally, internationally, and uh, hopefully we've picked out the most interesting bits to uh, to chat about this week. There's there's certainly a bunch that we won't uh, we won't get to talk about. But uh, first up is uh, some new hard drives. Now, hard drives aren't usually a particularly exciting uh, uh, topic, uh, but um, I understand there's some new hard drives coming that are filled with helium.
0: Makes them nice and light. So you can use them as for your kids' balloons. Do you think they would fly? Possibly. Maybe not. So they're talking about with the new hard drives that instead of filling them with air because in a hard drive you've got platters and that's what the data is written to so they spin and the quicker they spin um, the more turbulence they create and so by taking the air out and putting helium in they not only reduce that um, turbulence but it also uh, they can put the platters closer together so they can squeeze more platters in, meaning more data in the hard drives and they also tend to run uh, cooler as well yeah that's a great description thank you nate
1: sound like a good idea to you tim
0: Sounds sounds great,
2: mate. I I just haven't used something with a hard drive for a little while. What what still got them?
1: Oh, I think where well, you need to store a huge amount of data, right. a hard drive comes in comes in pretty handy. All right. Uh, so I guess what it, what it means initially from a storage perspective is our biggest hard drives available uh, today have been uh, four terabytes. And these new helium, uh, filled drives are going to bump that up, uh, initially to, uh, to six terabytes. So this is a new product coming through from, uh, Western Digital. I think they're the, they're the first to kind of, Nail this concept. I think it's been floating around for a little while, uh, but um, yeah, they seem to have knocked this one off, and uh, it won't be too long before we uh, we see these new drives starting to uh, starting to float through. So, I mean, there are a whole range of uh, situations. I guess it applies if you know, you've got a huge amount of data to store at home, big libraries of media, and so on. Uh, it might be relevant there, but if you think about uh, server data centers and and the like, uh, if you can store fifty percent more on a disk, it means you know, either you can store lots and lots more data or you can have a much smaller data center for the same amount of information and the other thing is the power that 's required to drive these is substantially less so uh, you know they 're talking uh, I think somewhere in the direction of uh, um, half the amount of power and one of the um, one of the examples we heard about was uh, um, yeah, well, less than half amount of power on a, per,
0: um, on a per terabyte sort of basis. So saving power is always helpful. Two good things for data centers is, yeah, the less heat and the less power because those are your two big factors when you're building a big data center. So if you roll that out everywhere, that's going to be massive savings in cost, um, not only from the power running the servers but also the power running all your AC. What about are the drives themselves? What's the cost of them? Is there a premium for the?
1: Uh, yeah, technology? there is. There is going to be a little bit of a premium, uh, but over time maybe that will sort of settle down. Uh, helium, I read, is um, is one of the most available resources globally, so it's not a particularly expensive item, and there won't be much of it that goes into each drive. So, uh, but I think you've got to have a well airtight's probably not the word, is it? A, a helium tight. Um, uh, drives so that the uh, the helium doesn 't leak out in order for it to work uh but also means your drives are uh, effectively waterproof
0: as well uh, yeah which maybe okay. has an advantage or two is that is that a thing for gorilla that you grab a serve and you fill it with water well there there is a there is
1: a situation where people use an inert uh liquid in a in a um um, and I've heard of it in a data center type situation, but there's certainly um, you can buy these cases for your computer that are liquid filled with an inert liquid uh, and allow you to uh, to cool your computer that way. So um, yeah there are some situations in which you could uh, you could do that. I mean it looked kind of weird having a, uh, a computer filled with, uh, with liquid, but um, actually does work from a, uh, a cooling perspective. Nice. All right. Uh now next up uh something else that's um I guess some somewhat unusual uh and this initially the concept was floated I think a couple of years ago, but it seems like we're starting to see some products come to market, is uh is in earphone or earphones that uh you know you put in ear uh that will be able to measure your uh, your pulse. And uh I guess what we you know we're starting to see these sports watches and various things that are trying to collect all sorts of data about you. And, you know, traditionally you've had to wear one of these sort of bands around your chest to, uh, to pick up your heart rate. Uh, but we're now hearing, um, earphones are actually going to be able to, um, to do that for you, which is kind of handy. Saves you wearing a whole lot of extra gadgetry.
2: Excellent. Would you? Along uh, with your connecting to your watch that's connecting to your phone as well. The whole lot's.
1: all, all, yeah. all, all wired
2: in together. Yeah. yeah. Glasses. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it's all it's all getting uh, it's all getting sucked into the uh, technology vortex, isn't it? Now, uh, another piece of news today is is something that's been somewhat expected, and this is the uh, Commerce Commission's announcement about what they're doing with the price of uh, landline connections for New Zealand customers. Now, um, both of you have heard about this in the media today. Uh, I guess that you know the, the the key gist of it is that. Uh, Chorus, who provide, uh, copper phone lines and internet connections through, uh, for ADSL type, um, connections to homes and businesses, they sell the, uh, the core, uh, connection at a wholesale price to internet providers like Telecom and voter and, uh, Core Plus and so on. Uh, and the announcement that we've had today is that, uh, a key part of, um, that cost. Uh, the Commerce Commission is saying, hey, this has to uh, reduce by 50%. Uh, so from a current charge of uh, $21.46 uh, monthly down to $10.92. Uh, uh, and so for a chorus, that means that uh, what they make today on um, on a copper phone line, which is uh, just under $45 a month, would drop down to uh, $34.44 a month. And uh, what chorus is saying is they are going to be in a huge amount of hot water if the government doesn't intervene on this,
0: which it sounds like the government is likely to do. Does this make sense? Any any thoughts? So they're saying that the Commerce Commission, in essence, got it wrong, that the, the price is too low, and they're saying that, and I think Sunshot came out saying that it's really good, it's low because then it just passes, we're going to pass the savings on to customers but I remember when we were doing um, some integration work with one of the ISPs that a lot of there's not a lot of money to be made on the DSL connections it's a lot of their, their extra services such as your tolls and all that other stuff so uh, and Corus is saying that yeah they're not going to have enough there's not enough fat in it for them to be able to continue with the UFB rollout Yeah, whether it is or not I think time will tell and they're talking about the government having to, to inter- intervene to help them out but
1: well, there's certainly been a lot of debate about this topic, and you know we've had the uh, uh, the talk of the copper tax that's, that's been raised in in the last few weeks. Uh, but the the word back from Chorus is that basically this will constrain them uh, in terms of their ability to roll out um, the fibre for the ultra fast broadband initiative uh, from a couple of aspects. One, uh, without uh, so much funds sort of rolling in, that's going to cut back their uh, their their ability. Uh, to actually be able to afford to roll out ultra fast broadband, which apparently is about a three billion dollar uh, investment from their perspective, uh, as well as uh, well, there's also the, the money that they're getting in from the government. And the other side they're saying is, without this income, uh, they're going to they're not actually going to be able to um, borrow the rest of the money that they need to complete the uh, the rollout. Tom, so you got any angles on this? Does this make well, any sense to you, or do you think it's? Uh, I mean, like, how how can you how can you tell you know who, who's got it right? Some people are saying, look, this is just you know blatant. Um, yeah, blatantly bad for chorus and the government have to sort of step in. And uh, others are saying no. That uh, what the Commerce Commission is saying is uh, is
2: right and is fair, and uh, the price should come down. Well, I, I guess the challenge is that it, it just continues to bring up, doesn't it? About where where's the consumer demand and and what are most services are most consumers are using at the moment, and is that enough f- again for what most people are doing at the moment? And I think the answer to that's probably yes. So. You know with these infrastructure projects you' you you're looking a long way forwards to put the investment in. Um, you've got a competing service that's good enough for most people most of the time. Um, you know what is it that's going to drive the uptake or the conversion to UFB um, doing everything I do a bit better. That's kind of hard to hard to quantify and pay a premium for.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, if the Commerce Commission go ahead with this, the government doesn't intervene, then, yeah, the price of uh, yeah, traditional internet connections comes down. It means there's suddenly a price difference between ultra-fast broadband, uh, you know, or a sizable price difference between ultra-fast broadband and traditional connections. And, yeah, as you say, people uh, may be less likely to move just yet. I mean, I think we go ahead a few years, then it will become quite natural. Everyone will want the... You know those top speeds, but uh, the the reasons aren't quite compelling enough yet in a lot of cases, right?
2: That's right, and I, and so then where's the push coming from? What what's the driver to get it done? You know, in what time frame?
1: Yeah, well, I guess I mean they've they've started on this thing. They want to finish it, and uh, obviously, you know, chorus and son so have committed to it. But uh, yeah, it would be a bit of a mess if uh, if chorus actually couldn't deliver on what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, they, they, it would be very interesting to see what would be the what what would actually happen there. What would CORA sort of do from a legal standpoint? Could they yeah you know, turn around and sort of sue the government for uh, changing the playing field uh, on them way through? I don't know. I don't or, know.
2: Or, or you know, or are there parts of you know are there pieces of the market that do want UFB and are going to pay a premium for it? And do you prioritize those? And look, I don't know enough about it, but mm. um, well, I think you know, that's the it's...
1: case anyway. There are you know prioritization and you know in place in terms of getting it out to. Uh, schools and, and and businesses, they have, you know, quite a focus initially. And sure, there are residential areas that are getting it, but, you know, they're not guaranteed to get it up front, which actually seems to be where you get most of the noise of people complaining, like, oh, I've looked on the map and still another three years until I can get it at my house. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah I think it, it's actually fair to prioritise for the business and the schools. Um all right well um yeah there, there's plenty more could be discussed on that but uh, talking back uh, or look looking at uh, slingshot who have um uh, come out today certainly in favor of um the commerce commission uh, forcing that um that wholesale price drop uh we heard from them a little announcement last week that uh, that they're buddying up with uh, com and uh, and mega just a couple of weeks after uh um, Orcon did uh, did something similar but in this case they've announced that uh, customers of Slingshot are going to get uh, 500 gigabytes of or half a terabyte of cloud storage uh, from Megadot coded NZ free for, uh, for one year Sounds pretty compelling it's half a terabyte worth of free storage sitting in the cloud Is that data zero rated? It's not uh, actually, I I don't recall what the
0: uh, what the story was on that. I need to double check that. That's a very good question. Nate. because if you've got five hundred gig, that's fine. But if you've only got hundred gig cap or fifty gig cap, that's it'll cost you a lot of money to move yeah. your data
1: into the cloud and uh, and back. Yeah, no, fair, uh, fair,
0: fair, very fair question. I also did I'll try and an, answer your question. I did think it was a bit strange that 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 paired together when we've only just seen the Kim and Orcon, the you know, third rate or third. Whatever it is, um, place uh, internet that we've got here, and it's sort of set up as a bit of a, like a World Vision ad. Um, so I thought it was very really strange <laughs> yeah, that it's... we've we've just got those, and then SingShot decides to pair with them as well. Uh, I don't know. So is it free data? Do you know? I'll report. I'll come back to you
1: on that. I'm just. I'm still. Uh, I'm still investigating. Still hunting. Tim, any thoughts on this. Do you need a half terabyte of uh, of cloud storage with uh, with Mega? Would you Would you trust your data there, or would you worry that? Uh, maybe the servers will get uh, shut down at some point and, uh Oh, it sounds like it's safer there than it is uh, elsewhere at the moment, doesn't <laughs> that's it? That's very true. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, in terms of, of whether you're actually paying for moving that data backwards and forwards, well, of course, Sling- sure they would have Slingshot said- have got... Um, uh some some pretty good uh bundles anyway in terms of uh in terms of traffic. But I will try and find that out and we'll uh, uh tweet that or something if I don't um if I don't get an answer over the next uh, few minutes. But yeah, I mean it seems like uh it seems like a nice large amount of um, of cloud storage to get anyway.
0: Mm.
2: have you got traffic in and out of that as well? So not just from you, but can you then share that and have you got you know how much access can someone else have to your
1: that's true. There, I mean, there are a few complexities with that, with um, with the ma the way Mega works, uh, isn't there? Because it's not just just about the storage, but you're also paying you also pay for the uh, the traffic with Mega. So that is a good question. So anyway, there's a there's a bunch. There's sort of the full detail on that um, is up on uh, on SlingShot's website, SlingShot.co.nz uh, slash Mega. And that will have uh, all the answers to the questions that uh, that I couldn't answer for you. Um, so, uh, so there we go. Now uh, back to our other uh, other agenda uh, agenda topics. Um, not 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 only have uh, slingshot got news, but uh, Tim a few bits and pieces of news coming out of Two Degrees.
2: That's right, Paul. Um, so you 've got a nice uh, a couple of shiny new handsets here um, actually they're not well, they 're not so shiny are they they 've got quite a muted um, kind of soft finish on them that is that is true so uh,
1: now last week we did we did talk about uh, google 's Nexus five handsets sort of the information was starting to uh, leak out then their formal formal announcement came uh, later on during the week and uh, these are produced by LG but uh,
2: effectively sort of sold as Google handsets right. Yeah, they are. I mean, the Nexus range is, um, or the line or the brand, uh, if you like, is what Google uses as their flagship. Each time they have a new version of Android software, there's a, a piece of hardware that goes with that. Um, you know, they don't make their own hardware. It's always got you know, the brand or done an association with somebody else. That's
1: so. quite an unusual take, isn't it? There aren't many people that would do something like that. I mean, there, there are yeah, a few other instances, but it is, it is somewhat unusual.
2: Well, it might be what you might have thought Microsoft would have done, perhaps with the Surface line. Except, you know, whoever makes its brand isn't there anymore. It's it's just theirs. So, mm. um, look, uh, I guess you know, it's, they're, they're saying we're just, still saying we don't do hardware, right? At the end of the mm. day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this is the second from LG. Uh, they did the Nexus 4 last year, uh, and the tablets they're doing with uh, the seven-inch tablets, they've done two with Asus, uh, and I think the larger one was with Samsung. Um, so yeah, look clearly they're picking key partners for those devices. Um, the Nexus Five uh, is a pretty highly specced uh, piece of kit, and uh,
1: yeah, I mean it looks looks like it's really designed to go head to head with uh, the top the top Android handsets from from the likes of HTC, Sony, and and naturally Samsung. I mean this is not you know. Uh, um low in any of its specifications really. You've got what, eight megapixel camera, full H D screen, five inch uh, size display, very, very fast sort of internals. What's the uh, what's the
2: processor there? I think it's two point two point four gig, two point two, two point four Qualcomm? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah look that's right. Um and then the pricing, right? So on you know, if you buy it from directly from Google overseas, um it's it's a pretty good price. Three forty nine in the US, three ninety nine uh, out of Australia for the sixteen gig version. I think the thirty-two gig might be fifty dollars more.
1: And what are you launch? What's Two
2: Degrees launching here in New Zealand through uh, through LG? So we're going to be selling it uh, through our stores and through warehouse stationary stores uh, at six ninety nine. And that's a sixteen. That's a sixteen gig sixteen gig. Yeah, international um, model. So right. international um, is about the bands, especially the LTE band support.
1: So that means it's a it's a fully four G capable handset, indeed. You know, God forbid, uh, tear out your two degrees, uh, SIM card. You could, uh, you could put another carrier's one in there and,
2: uh, and maybe get access to 4G LTE. That's right. If, if you can think of something else to do apart from speed tests, um, that needs it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, um, it comes in two colors, black and white. The, uh, the whites are effectively a plate uh, on the back. So it's still black on the front face and on the, uh, edges. So um, yeah, look, it's a nice looking device. I think yeah, you have to say it's a bit understated, isn't it? It's got quite a, it's got quite, it's not trying to get in your way and no, shout no, about it's itself. Not, not a whole lot of bling about it.
1: Um, now, talk us through just you know, there is this price difference that we see uh, in a lot of cases between handsets that can be sourced internationally, and, and some of the ones I've looked, I've seen in the last week uh, are available from parallel importing type channels. Sometimes at you know, nearly half the price of what they're retailing at in, in New Zealand uh, in, in, some, in some cases.
2: Uh, I, I guess, well, I guess it's, it's particularly stark um, with this device because Google's selling it themselves, right? They're selling it directly online um, via credit card. So,
1: And, you, uh, and they're, they're just sort of passing that straight through without there being... It doesn't appear as though there's a whole lot of profit margin in there maybe when you buy direct some of these products from Google.
2: Look, it's, it's not their focus, right? It's not, you know, they want to get the device out there. They want to get users using them uh, as much as possible. So, they are you know, they are fantastic uh, offers. And, uh, yeah, look, if you just did a straight currency conversion into New Zealand dollars, then uh, it's going to come out uh, a lot lower. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're not buying it for anything like the same price Google is. They've, they'll obviously be buying millions at a time. Uh, and with a purchase order like that, you tend to get some you know, money off the headline price mm. so look, we've worked really hard um with our dealers as well, so they're um you know we've all cut our uh, margins to the to the bone as it were, and uh you know six nine nine you know the other way to compare it is look at what else is in the market at at that same spec you know? i mean it
1: certainly compares very uh extremely favorably with uh yeah, you know, with the other competitive products with similar specifications.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think it does. Mm-hmm. And, and look, from out, you know, if if, if you uh, can put the time and effort in and, and parallel it yourself, then that's great. And you, and you, you know, you might save a bit on it. Um, on the other hand, you know, you're going to have to return it back to where you bought it from. So you know, you there's no issues. there's no so warranty. So what,
1: what sort of warranty are you able to provide on these or so it's a, through algae?
2: Yes, it comes with a standard twenty-four month. Okay, manufacturer. Is that warranty.
1: sort of starting to become the norm? I mean, we see a lot of phones. I think still with a twelve-month warranty, but more uh, and look, more, not we're starting, so many. I we're think starting to see. Left. Yeah, twenty-four uh, is pretty tw- common. Twenty-four, but you know, starting to become the norm, which you know, I think becomes something uh, you know, uh, another you know, good reason, I guess, to to buy locally when you consider that.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, there's just two pieces to warranty, right? From from a carrier perspective, there's the manufacturer's warranty, and then there's you know the consumer. Um, Guarantees, Guarantees Act, Act which mm. which comes into play in terms of the contract so if you sign mm. someone up for a 24 month contract mm. then you should be offering them a device that's fit for purpose meaning it'll last for it 24 last months last for the 24 yep. months
1: yep. and is that part of the reason that we're seeing manufacturers now come to the party and put two year warranties on on products when in the past they would just put 12 months on and uh, you know, maybe not to be too helpful if there was an issue after the 12 months. Yeah,
2: it's a big factor, right? And so from our perspective, obviously, if we're looking at ranging a particular phone, we're going to put it onto contracts, it's going to be a good seller. You know, we sort of need to have a, need it to have a 24-month manufacturer warranty to back us up. Mm.
1: Okay. Oh, that's, uh, that's pleasing. And I guess the other things that sort of fit in there in, in terms of cost, I mean, the prices that we hear about U.S. are usually excluding tax. You've got GST on this side. That's right. Um, I guess the warranty's got some cost, and there there are various layers in there in terms of margins and other things.
2: Yeah, indeed. No, that's right. And I think at the end of the day, it's best better to have it available than not have it available. You know, and we're pleased to, um, you know, be the guys that are doing it. That mm. you know, there's a loyal fan, a loyal base of you know Nexus um, fans, uh, and uh, you know they can also buy it on a if they do sign up to a plan, of course, then they're going to get some discount um, off that price. So um, yeah, look, I still think it's a, it's a great deal.
1: Good. Now, um, one other handset which um, I actually haven't had a chance to, to have, have a look at yet, which is uh, purely my fault being um, somewhat busy, uh, is this the Galaxy S4 Zoom? Now, can you just sort of run us through the, the highlights of what this um, what this is all about? Is it a camera? Is it a phone? Is it Superman? What is it, mate? <laughs>
2: yeah. So, look, I mean, it really is a hybrid. You know, it is a, it is a fully featured. Um, 16 megapixel camera with a uh, 10 times optical zoom, um, and it's got the lens, you know, that that you need uh, to be able to do that. The lens then it sort of sticks out. It does a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can fit it in your pocket with a little bit of a little bit of a push. Which pocket? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, a handbag. I mean, you can fit anything into a handbag. Right or a man bag, so, yeah. And then the yeah. size doesn't matter.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Uh, and it's it's a Galaxy S4 Mini spec, effectively on the back. So you know, from one view, it's a phone. From the other view, it's a it's a standard you know point and shoot looking camera. Um, you know, I used it for a few weeks um, when we're evaluating it. And, and look, you do get used to that camera. You know, you start to really enjoy having um, something of that quality and that can zoom that far. And uh, when you go back to a a standard phone camera it doesn't really matter how how good it is. You lose some of those features. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think. I mean, we we've started to see more and more uh, devices
1: come through with with really good cameras, and some of it's you know happening in a software perspective that's giving us much better results with the cameras. Uh, and that was certainly something that I'd noticed in the in the reviews uh, going back on the Nexus Five. Uh, is the point that, hey, there is a good camera in there, but the software side maybe doesn't deliver quite the results that we're seeing on, say, the iPhone 5S and, and some of the other products. Um, but it is becoming the norm at the top end anyway to have some really good uh, camera functionality. Now, the other handset we've got there is um, Sony's uh, Xperia Z1, which comes with the 20-megapixel uh, um,
0: camera. Nate, you had a little bit of a play around with that. What was your uh, what was your take on that? Still, really don't like these sharp edges. I know they're not as sharp as the previous uh, itineration, but I don't know it just feels too square, like too.
1: Other other than your opinions about oh, the, the, uh, the, the the design, the the, uh, the the design, which I'm sure some people will love. I actually quite like the uh, the form I mean, that's got a big five inch um five inch screen on that one. Yeah.
0: It's a bit bigger than the. Yeah, it is bigger than the S three. Yeah. The uh, S four. Sorry. Yeah,
1: and and it's bigger than the um, Nexus as well, isn't it? In terms of the overall uh, hands. About the same
0: thickness. No, it's a really nice design. A uh, really nice um, interface. I don't like the build. That's my personal opinion. But I like the interface. It's very snappy, and it's a nice bright screen too.
1: And my, I don't know. Part of that will be to do with it being a waterproof, uh, waterproof design. So you've got some sort of oddities in order for them to achieve a phone that you can uh, you know go swimming with or. Um, Using Br- the bath. Browse the web while you're uh, lying in the bath.
0: Yeah, as you
1: do. Mm. Um, anyway, so uh, back back to the. Um, I mean, yeah. So that's that's one, and there have been a number of other phones we've looked at. But I mean, that with its twenty megapixel camera is pretty good. And Nokia obviously doing quite a bit in that in that space as well. Um, how did I, mean, it- I guess yeah, the other, the other
2: um, device from Sony? I'd love to see or have a play with is the clip-on uh, camera. Yes, yeah, no, yep. I haven't seen that over here yet.
1: Uh, no, it is, it is floating yeah. around. Um, again, we haven't had time to actually have a play, but um, that that is floating around, I believe. Uh, and yeah, you can clip clip that onto an exist clip a big lens and camera sort of thing that clips onto your uh, onto your phone and, uh, and well, yeah,
2: manage, you it, go? manage it through an app.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, it's it's a quite, cool idea. It's it's quite a different approach, but. Uh, yeah, as a way to get a, a camera result without having to actually carry another mm. full camera, uh, clipping on that sort of uh, lens and, and um, sort of mini camera onto your smartphone. Um, yeah, still, I guess you've still, got
2: to, you've still got to be carrying it around and then you've still got to kind of clip it on and mm. fire up the app, right? So it's going to take a few moments to get it underway. But, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea.
1: Good op- good option to have. Uh, now, jumping back um, in terms of 2Degrees activities, um, tell us what's been happening with your your... Data zones, because I guess one of the oddities for uh, for Two Degrees uh, customers when you, uh, I guess when you launch the network is that, you know, you had a situation where, you know, there were a few locations where you had your own cell sites, Auckland and I don't know, whatever the other where, you know, uh regions where I can't quite remember how far you were initially. Was it was Auckland,
2: Wellington, uh, Christchurch, Queenstown. Right. So you had those sort of four areas
1: initially, and there was sort of a split in terms of what you could buy in terms of, uh you know, data. Yep. And you buy the data packs that would have these zones, you buy this block of data that would, uh, you could just use in those zones now. Effectively, you've, you've virtually you know done away with those uh, data zones now.
2: Yeah, well, we I guess we first got rid of them uh, in the sense that when we started with uh, pay monthly and contract right plans, the data that was bundled with those was always fully nation, nationwide, nationwide. Yeah. so you didn't have to worry where you Not were and where no. you were using your data. Okay, no. but uh, what we've done uh, more recently is got rid of the zones for the prepay. You know, one gig and three gig, and then the add-on one gig and three gig packs you might want to put on if you get if you use up that data, right? That comes bundled with your plan. So all all of those packs are now um, national. You know, the, so the no twelve gig plan is them. the only one that uh, that's, that's yeah limited. It still to your, has a concept of a own. Yeah. yeah, it's you know such great value that uh, just makes sense for us to keep operating. That. So
1: how much is it for that twelve gig plan?
2: Ninety nine.
1: Okay, yeah. So there's no one else in the market sort of offering anything quite uh, quite like that at this. Not stage, even close. So. No. Yeah, pretty, pretty compelling. All right. All right. And in terms of how, you know, how broadly, um, knowing that you can only use that in, in, um, within the data zones, now you're much further than just Auckland, Wellington. Oh, look, absolutely. I
2: think we must have, I'm estimating we're in at least 10 to 15. Mm. Centres now, yeah. yeah,
1: and it just seems to keep growing. It right? expands
2: all the time, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yep. 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 and when you're outside of those, you still roam through onto uh, Vodafone's network in the background. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. Uh, and um, something, I guess, a, a, you know, for those um, that are interested in the more sort of technical facets of your network, uh, can you tell us what you've been doing to improve coverage in some of the uh, the major cities over the last uh, yeah, month or so?
2: Yeah, sure. So, so in those first centres that we mentioned a moment ago—Auckland, um, Wellington, Christchurch, Queenstown—they were launched at 2100 megahertz. So for 3G, that that um, yeah you know, doesn't go quite as far as the lower frequencies. As soon as we started adding the additional towns and centres, they were always done with a combination of 2100 and 900. Right. And and we
1: see, you know, uh, Vodafone doing something similar, Telecom with 850 MHz and
2: 2100. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So what we've been doing over the last couple of months is uh, turning on the 900 3 G band in those first uh, four centres as well. Right. So you've always owned that spectrum. It's just now you're you're using a bit more
1: broadly than what you were before.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so you're seeing better in building coverage. Um, there might have been some dead spots before um, that are now cleared up. There's quite a few people in the office who didn't you know always get the greatest coverage but now have. So it, it does make a significant difference.
1: Okay. So it's worth us having a little bit of a look at your network again if we've maybe had you know, coverage issues in, in places? Absolutely. All right, all right. That's, that's good to hear. We like uh, anything that sort of keeps the competitive uh, pressures on. Uh, now, uh, something that we, we must ask about, uh, Vodafone um, have been, you know, cooing over the last few months about their 4G network, their 4G LTE. Uh, telecom are due to launch theirs next week. Um, we've heard that 2Degrees are going to bring us a 4G network at some stage. Uh, tell us where that fits in terms of, you know, priorities for you. When, you know, when will that become important? The way you've been talking, you don't think we need it right now.
2: Um, maybe you can share your, re- your reasoning on that. Look, I, you know, I think we've been um, uh, quite open by, by saying that next year is the timing for us. Um, exactly when next year, I uh, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, we we clearly were involved in the recent um, auction. Uh, But, you know, at the moment, our focus is on, you know, the utility of that data. So what is the value that you're going to get out of it? You know, um, you've got that bundle in your plan or you've got your your prepaid bundle. Um, But but what, you know, what value is it to you? So for us, it's around, um, you know, the carryover feature and the sharing feature. So... You know, we still think at the moment that the greatest value to be had is in is in how you can make the most of that data bundle rather than, you know, the pure speed of it, the out and out speed at the moment. So not to say there aren't going to be, you know, uses and applications and I'm I'm sure everybody who's using 4G now is probably loving it and having great experience, but you know, is it giving them the most benefit that it could?
1: Well I guess one of the one of the complaints is that the the data bundles aren't big enough. And you know, I mean certainly that's been an area where yeah, two degrees has, you know, made an effort to, to provide, uh, yeah, bigger, bigger packages for a lower, lower price than the others. I know Vodafone recently have, have bumped some of their, uh, uh, prepaid data bundles. Um, but, you know, certainly not to, uh, um, yeah, quite the pricing that we're seeing on, for instance, your 12 gig plan. Um, I mean, should we expect that by the time that you bring a 4G offering to market, that they'll be even better? Yeah, uh, you know, plans in terms of how much data
2: we're going to get for our money, or or is that a, is that a pipe dream? <laughs> look, I you know we won't do it the same way the other guys have done. So you know I'm sure when uh, when our time comes we'll be uh, we'll be wanting to bring um, you know something that differentiates um, us or something that um, you know changes the way uh, changes the way it's done. Certainly, it, look it has been surprising um, looking from the outside at the other guys um, launching and not seeing any yeah you know, really significant um new data bundles to go with that, so um let's keep our eyes on on telecom. I think it's already they've already caused Vodafone to drop their surcharge, I think
1: yeah, well, I think Vodafone would probably say that they were planning to do that anyway um, and yeah who who knows one way or the other but uh um we i think certainly everyone's enjoying having two degrees in the marketplace and the sort of competitive pressures that you bring. Uh, and yeah, I think it's you know it's important that you know the offerings that you have you know, keep putting putting pressure on, and uh, um, that yeah helps everyone other than the uh, shareholders. We'll certainly keep doing that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now, one other topic that we, we were chatting about earlier is uh, is sim locking and this is a very very common thing overseas. Is you know you you particularly uh, probably the US just about more than more than anywhere being one of the most difficult places for it. Uh, you go and buy a handset in an AT&T store or T-Mobile or whatever, and uh, you might buy your handset outright at what seems like a full price, but then you actually can't take that handset and use it on another network in most places because of uh, SIM locking, and sometimes it can be pretty hard to uh, to get out of that. Now, we haven't had those sort of issues in New Zealand traditionally, uh, but we're starting to see a little bit more of this uh, creep, creeping in. What's uh, what's your take on, on SIM locking?
2: Yeah, well, especially down at the um, sort of prepay or entry into the market. You know, so Skinny's been doing it for a while. Um, I think this Christmas you're seeing it across uh, Telecom and Vodafone as well, especially on their entry level, um, you know, Christmas Android devices and, and uh uh, 3G and 2G sort of you know candy bar phones. So it's expanded quite quickly in in the last couple of months. Mm. Um, you know we, we look we're still not doing it. We're not doing it for this Christmas. So you know you buy one of our devices and and you know it's you've got more freedom what you can do with it. Um, but um, you know I'm not going to say never. Uh, but I don't think it's ideal. Um, situation to get into, and it's just a bit of a hassle, isn't it, for customers? We,
1: yeah, you know, I mean, I think everyone would prefer that it didn't happen, um, uh, but, uh, I mean, if it's a situation where we can book, suddenly buy phones for 20 or $30 cheaper, um, which maybe, though you know, those numbers are, are completely unrealistic to expect, uh, but if you could buy phones for that much cheaper and then you just pay 20 or $30 to unlock it should you want to take it elsewhere, that doesn't sound too painful.
2: Oh look, there's certainly options, right? Mm. As a, as a user, you know, um, you can you can buy the unlocked version if you want as well. Um, but uh, you know, we'll we'll obviously try and compete um, without doing that at this stage. That's so, great. Um... We'll keep it up.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think yeah, consumers will prefer that handsets weren't locked. So
2: and look, it's the feedback we get from some of our key channel partners as well, um, especially the multi brand channels. It's just more complicated trying to explain what some locking is and how it works and how you can get it unlocked. Yep.
1: Now. Uh... Uh, I guess it, you know each year when we we look at what what you can you know get for your money in terms of a uh, in terms of a smartphone, uh, certainly at that lower end you're getting. I mean we know at the high end that every year there's new features come out, high resolution screens and um, you know faster processors and so on. Uh, what are you seeing happening at the low end, and can you give us any predictions of of where you know where you see sort of prices heading? And uh, and what you'll get for your money going, you know, going, you know, what we're going to get sort of this Christmas, and if we're to, you know, you've probably got a better handle on this than most people. What we might expect to see, you know, looking out to Christmas next year uh, in terms of smartphones, maybe maybe even tablets as well. What's your, uh,
2: you know, what, what's your take on what uh, where that's going? What we getting? Well, I think I think the key thing is that that entry level experience just just keeps getting better. Uh, so. You know, last Christmas, I think everyone was probably at a sort of a 2.8 or 3-inch QVGA screen and a pretty slow processor. Um, You know, this year... Pretty poor,
1: pretty poor in terms of uh, uh, usability, uh, sort of, you know, the whole user experience.
2: Wasn't that great for those cheaper sort of $99 phones, really? Yeah, well, that's right. This year, you're seeing 3.5-inch, you know, HVGA. That's not a bad screen. That's, you know, pretty usable. One gigahertz processor... Um, it's starting to become a pretty snappy device. Just above that, you know, there may not be a big price delta up to something with a 4-inch screen, a WVGA uh, resolution. Now, you know, it wasn't so long ago that that was kind of the, you know, Android standard. Mm. Um, I think next Christmas, again, maybe 4-inch will be the, the minimum, certainly there or thereabouts. So I think you are going from devices that last year were a bit compromised, and most of us probably would just to hate using, to something that now is actually pretty decent and pretty reasonable. Um, and if it's your first ever smartphone, then you're starting off in a pretty good place. Price-wise, um, you know, I think you're seeing the stuff already around. at $79. A um, lot of aggressive, you know, pricing amongst the um, large retailers. So, you know, getting closer to Christmas and then even into Boxing Day, uh, who knows where we're going to end up. Um, And obviously all of those devices that sit below that in price are getting squeezed out. So anything that used to try and be a sort of what they called a feature phone um, is pretty much gone. You know, you're left with a smartphone and below that you've got a $29 or $19 sort of talk and text phone.
1: Mm. Yeah, which is pretty amazing when we think of where where, mobile phones started that, um, you know, $29 can actually buy you a a reasonably capable phone
2: yeah yeah well yeah. and and 79 or, or wherever it is gets to a boxing day sort of thing is is getting you you know 3G GPS Wi-Fi Get you to the moon spot. and
1: beyond in terms of uh capabilities <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> yep uh you know um all right no that's that's good well th- thanks for that um that update there Tim I, we will uh, continue to watch what you uh what you have uh, coming through, and uh, over the next few weeks we'll, uh, we'll chat with your competitors and, uh, and see what they've got coming up as well. Um, now, Nate, we were chatting earlier about uh, Mako Networks. Now, this, this is um, a company that have been um i guess you know slowly working away well on their products here uh, you know established out of Auckland going back um 10, 10 years oh, or we so well. yeah uh we we've we've had um um Simon Gamble from um, from Maker Networks on the podcast in the past talking about security uh, but they're a maker of uh, of networking equipment uh that they i mean they've just Focused a lot on uh, on on retailers and giving uh, retailers sort of secure connections for their uh, FPOS and you know and credit card processing and things like that. Uh,
0: they've just signed a a, um, a fairly major deal in the US. Mm. So Mako make makeo uh, make boxes, which is a network appliance, you can drop in and to simplify things, you could have multiple locations drop this in and it will set up a, a VPN or a secure link between. All those locations plus it provides you with a whole lot of reporting as to how much data is going between them and you can log into a central management portal and, and see and ma- maintain them. So from an IT perspective, it's a, a fantastic little product and we've used them a fair bit. Well,
1: um, they were ahead of their time really, weren't they? They were totally, you know, in terms of a, I guess what you would now call a cloud managed, uh, you know, product. Um, you know, the annual service fees and so on associated with it, sort of, you know, recurring business model for them. Uh, but, you know, something, uh, something reasonably unique in terms of what they, uh, what they've offered. And, uh, here we are, you know, many years down the track and, uh, they've still got an offering that seems to stand out quite well from, uh, from competitors. And I guess hence this deal with Sprint in the US.
0: I think it's also a good thing for the Kiwi Landing Pad, which is based in San Francisco. And I know Zero started off there and Vend are in there. It's it's really a good way for New Zealand businesses to get into the U.S. because you're not going to be able to sign lease deals and, and provider deals because you don't have a, an American presence. So the Kiwi landing, pad is a, sorry, Kiwi landing Pad is a fantastic way to get you know your foot in the door to get established and then you can get those and sort of get out on your own. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really a good sign for the success of the setup of that particular thing.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, we talked about this on, uh, on a recent episode of the New Zealand Business Podcast when I was up there. And we've got another episode to come from one of the startups that's, uh, um, had a, had a base at the, uh, at the Kiwi Landing Pad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess it's, it's great in terms of helping those companies, uh, like Mako establish a beachhead into the US. And uh yeah, look at look at how they're doing now with um I think you know, just eighteen months or so down the track uh from uh from getting established in the market there uh to signing a deal uh of this sort of size. And of course, um Sprint, they're one of the biggest uh the biggest carriers in the US, Tim. You probably know uh know about Sprint being in the in telco land. I think they're um, the number you, four, are they, the, I, I think they're sort of three or four in the, in the market, aren't they? So they're, yep. they're pretty, uh, a pretty major player. So, uh, I mean, w- we know Mako had deals in the past or, or have deal, you know, arrangements with, for instance, Telecom New Zealand, but uh, Sprint compared to uh, Telecom, um, yeah, Telecom a bit of a, a minnow in comparison um, based on the size of obviously our market here in New Zealand. Uh, but, yeah, pretty exciting. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to, uh, to Mako. Uh, we will try and uh, fit in a chat with them on a, on a, on an episode again in a, in a little while. Now, um, before we wrap up, a, a, f- a few a uh, few other little bits and pieces of news and just some uh, some comments on some um, devices that we've had our hands on recently. Uh, now, BlackBerry Messenger that uh, finally arrived for um, iOS and Android and uh, has been a runaway hit for uh, for BlackBerry who have been course, in the media again, that their uh, their their deal to sell the business has uh, sort of uh, fallen to pieces. Uh, I read that CEO they Thurston Hines has uh, he's gone uh, gone. So there's all sorts of um, things going on there. But um, lots and lots of people have downloaded and uh, been running the app. But how about
0: you guys? You um, you big uh, BlackBerry uh, Messenger fans? Totally. No. I was I was interesting to reading I was reading this on the weekend about how they they sort of formulated a a strategy to take them over and then went to the different banks that were gonna fund them and the, the private equity firms. And they pretty much all came back and said, Look, we're not confident that you're gonna be able to pull around the turnaround that you think you're gonna do and I was thinking, well surely you'd go and talk to them first and then announce the takeover, not do it vice versa. So I, I think we're probably gonna see BlackBerry move away from hardware which is incredible to think when they had such an amazing platform and they're going to move to just software on the other two platforms. It, who would have thought that someone like BlackBerry could fall from grace? I don't know. The first, the first great smartphone I ever used, I think
2: was a BlackBerry, the, the curve 8210, maybe in kind of 2007 where, you know, GPS worked well, the maps worked really well. You could browse pretty well, um, with their compression, uh, email obviously was fantastic.
0: Um, it was you all know. encrypted as well, wasn't it? So you could...
1: Yeah, yeah and that was right. all one of, always one of their big claims to fame and a, and a great keyboard. And, uh, I mean, it just shows how quickly this industry moves and that, you know, someone doing well today uh, certainly is not guaranteed of, you know, still being around in, in five or ten years' time and everyone needs to keep reinventing themselves. Well, and
2: and Nokia's challenge, right? Are they, uh, they going to come back from... The position they've been in, all signs are looking reasonably positive, but I think they're still, uh, you know, they're still in a tricky space. Um, I saw some data indicating that, uh, you know, most of their recovery has been in their low-end Lumia devices that are apparently selling very well.
1: That's where they're selling well. And, and uh, now 2Degrees has been selling the Lumia 520, 520 handset, which has sort of been their,
2: um,
1: their their most popular handset globally. How's that gone?
2: Yeah, very well. No, it's been it's been a great success uh, for Nokia globally uh, yep. and in New Zealand. So you found um, it has
1: worked well here. Yep,
2: absolutely. And
1: I notice uh, I don't know if, if um, I don't know what this means for you guys, but I saw uh, Vodafone drop that down to one hundred ninety nine dollars recently. Um, when that sort of happens with one carrier making that sort of you know price change, that's a third off the price. Uh, does that force your hand to do something similar? Yes. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you yes. kind of you kind of have to work out a way to uh, uh, to make those numbers add up and and to do it even if you've got stock you maybe bought it at a different price. I'm just curious on the business sort of side of it. Uh, is it something you can share?
2: Look, you know we look at what channels it's sold in. Um, what's driving the sales? Is it on a plan or is it outright? Um, you know, it's not it's not one of our Christmas heroes, whereas it is for Vodafone. So it's, it hasn't got quite the same. We haven't got quite the same sort of driver to do that to the price, uh, and I guess where do we think the price is going to go in the new year? So, um, look, I think there'll be an adjustment, um, whether whether it's uh, as aggressive as that um, uh, is yet to be seen. I I think with um, Windows um, phone, though, the thing that that does continue to surprise me is um, that there isn't the driver coming through from business customers that, that I expected. So, you know, when I'm talking to our business sales guys and I say to them, surely you you 've got lots of Microsoft customers saying we want to have um, Windows phone devices, and still that just isn't quite coming through um, so i don't know if that's because they, you know they don't know enough about it or their i t guys aren't saying to them, "Hey, this would be a good platform to get into," but I think until we see that driver it's hard to see the demand in the in the higher end interesting, right, right, okay uh and just in
1: terms of uh th- three devices we've been looking at over the last uh few days I've uh, been playing around with the uh, macbook uh, new macbook pro Retina, pretty uh, pretty pleased with that from a uh, from a performance perspective and uh and battery life um and we, I mean we had a quick quick chat around um obviously that that uh, last week but two um two gadgets that we've had a hands on uh, since that, um, the Surface Pro 2, which both of you guys have had a look at, and uh, one that we reported on uh, from, um, from Intel's developer forum in San Francisco uh, last month was the um, ASUS Transformer Book uh, T100. Now, this is finally launched into the New Zealand uh, market, uh, coming in at uh, $699.00. Uh, with a 64 uh, gig um, block of uh, of storage, so the original 32 gig model that they announced uh, is not launching in New Zealand, appears at this stage, but still coming in at a reasonable uh, reasonable price point. What do you guys think of uh, of that as a as a device? You've sort of got a you know, clamshell, well, or, or you know, hinged laptop style device, but then you can snap out the uh, the tablet piece.
0: I, I don't know when compared to this the Surface, it just you know, it doesn't the, – with the magnets, that it just clicks in and out. It's I don't know. It just, to me, it just seems a little bit clunky and and sort of second rate and a bit cheap compared to how the Microsoft one works. That's, that's my opinion.
2: No, oh, look, I, I agree. The Surface hardware is just so nice, isn't it, um, that it's almost showing everything else um, up. I know, I know there's a bit of a premium in price for the Surface products, but, um, you know, combined with some of those flip keyboards on them um, – You know, you look at everything else and it just feels, you know, a few years out of date um, perhaps. Uh, I think, you know, we were discussing before um, the show, but, you know, I guess the challenge is that those consumer products, you know, I think the surface, the high-end surface pros to me look absolutely ideal for business and I'd love to be using one myself. And, uh, you know, the the challenge actually is talking to your IT department and getting their head around it um, and then being able to source them um, as an IT product from, from whoever it is that most IT departments are buying there their kit from, um, but in terms of the consumer end, I still think there's a again there's a piece of work for Microsoft to do to explain why um, Windows as a platform is still a is still a consumer platform, and that seems an extraordinary thing to be saying, um, you know, for the guys that were on everybody's desktop um, not so long ago. But I guess tablets have moved so quickly and become such a different type of product that um, you know having one around your home. Um, and having it run Microsoft just almost feels like a funny um, place to be.
1: Well, it's interesting because the numbers of uh, the numbers of PCs selling Windows, you know, they're still they're still selling pretty strong, uh, you know, numbers in the in the direction of you know three hundred million uh, a year. But what we're seeing is the number of tablets uh, sold that are you know that are quickly edging up towards the number of PCs. And you know, I, I think where Microsoft, what Microsoft are really hoping with the devices, and and I guess Asus and, and and Microsoft's other partners are really hoping that these types of devices will, uh, I guess, change that picture a bit, and people will buy one that you know is a is a tablet and a laptop, and will sort of kill two birds with one stone. Uh, that we have really yet to see from a sales perspective, though, and uh, I guess it's this Windows 8.1 release and the new chips, uh, predominantly from Intel, that are the things that will, yeah, you know, potentially facilitate that over the next few months. Or, uh, or we might see that it, um, you know, it, it doesn't move as well for the market share wise as they would like. Uh, but I mean, Tim, from your perspective, I mean, you're obviously quite keen on the Surface Pro. You think that's a, that's something that would work well for you?
2: as a you know as a kind of mixed business you know home use absolutely um, we've got a couple of them in the office, and um you know the people using them are absolutely love them and are raving about them but the hurdle for us is is trying to say to our i t guys, hey um you know instead of running a laptop and a desktop um or in a tablet i just one of these would get me by you know can I have one and uh you know the i t guys just don't know a lot about them um, mm. and they're not having them pushed on them by their, you know, suppliers. Mm, um, yeah, yeah.
1: And what about the, the agents, These smaller form factor? We've seen a lot of Android tablets. Um, obviously, the new iPad uh, mini Retina, which we, we're waiting on to, to land, of course, uh, actually today, um, was, was the arrival um, of the iPad Air that's officially available today, and Vodafone are uh, offering the 3G uh, models of that. Um, yeah, what about a, a Windows tablet, that sort of smaller form factor?
2: Look, absolutely. I, I, I think it could work. Um, you know, the, sizes, the size of those smaller guys is really nice. I, I use a Nexus tablet um, all the time. Um, now, you
1: were saying you, you, you use a feature um, that, that's become available in more recent versions of Android that allow you to you know, have multiple profiles on there, so different members of the family sort of can have their own configuration. How well does that work well, for you? Well,
2: I was really getting sick of my kids installing their apps on, uh, you know, the entire front of the screen was taken up with... Little dress design apps and drawing apps and things, and oh, those weren't yours. <laughs> yeah, some of them were quite good, but <laughs> but um, you know the way we have it set up now is is, is myself and my two children have a, a profile each. You just touch your icon um, as soon as you power on the device or, or light the screen up, and that takes you into your effectively own tablet. You know, you're you're logged into your Gmail, you've got all of your apps installed, they're all running and connecting. So it's effectively like having three um, tablets in one and it works incredibly well, apart Mm. from of course when you both want to use it at the same time. Yeah,
1: whereas previously you had to have a a Microsoft based device to be able to have those different profiles and and I guess that's one of Microsoft's issues, you know, they're trying to race all these different things out and and hold on to some of their, you know, maybe perceived advantages but uh, meanwhile Google and and Apple uh, you know, doing everything they can to to knock off any uniques that um, yeah that Microsoft has held maybe in the past.
2: And I, look, I, I personally really like that seven to eight inch form factor size. You know, it's big enough and portable. You know, mm. really portable. Mm. And I actually find now I, I pick up a ten inch tablet and and I sort of you know they're large and I almost do want to stick it in a keyboard because that sort of feels more like what it what it's built for. Yeah. Um, yep. You know ebook reading um, most web browsing that smaller size is absolutely um, perfect um,
1: Yeah, and the, and the ten inch type ones are um, are improving too in many regards they're not as they're not as chunky as they once were and yeah you know, I've been using both the um, uh, the Azus transform t100 and the um, the the two surfaces between the surface two and the and the surface pro two uh, and I mean, certainly for just sort of you know kicking around when you you know sitting around at home, couch etc. Um, yeah, you know, it's really nice having some having some different options. But I didn't find them too big. Although I do like that eight inch, that mm. sort of smaller form factor mm. um, is yeah you know, pretty good. You can hold it in one hand and so on. Um, but but the bigger one, you know, being being something that can do you know virtually anything uh, is pretty cool. I do find the keyboards though on a ten inch uh, on a you know ten, uh, 10 inch tablet. Um, a little bit hard to get used to. Nate, you played around on the, the smaller keyboard. What, what, what was your sort of feeling for it? You, you know, you don't have little tiny girly, uh, girly <laughs> little. fingers. Yeah. Um, how do you find a smaller, smaller keyboard? Cause you're normally operating on, um, on your HP, which is, what's that, a 12.5 inch, something um, like, yeah. um screen. And, and, and it's virtually a, you know, full size keyboard. So.
0: I, str- yeah, I struggle with the smaller keyboard, but I've also... Str- like, I had the whole Galaxy tab, and but uh, tablets for me just don't really work anymore because I've got the laptop with the, the solid straight hard drive. I just take that everywhere. Anything I can't do on my laptop, I use my phone for. My phone's big enough that it sort of is sort my of ta- tablet. Co- it covers the tablet so, space for you. For me, it just the tablet was worthwhile when I didn't have the S4, but now a laptop on phone is sufficient. I, I think... The reason I sold my tablet was it ended up being like a week on charge, and I just didn't touch. And I thought, well, I'm not really using this. So,
1: I think there are a lot of people that have had that experience that the tablet yeah, doesn't necessarily do enough, uh, yeah, do enough for them. But it's a, a lower cost, lowest cost. They, well, they're, they're low enough in terms of their cost uh, that people can afford to have one and you know use it when they choose to. And some people will certainly use them pretty extensively. But um, I can understand that being the case for you.
2: Look, my kids are using them for a lot of you know communications with friends. You know, it's the go-to device for Kick. I hear is the uh, the killer app amongst ten-year-old um, girls at the moment. Kick Messenger. Kick Messenger. Yeah, because that unifies the, the the ones that have got iMessage and the ones that are on Android. They they can both talk on Kick. Nice. Otherwise, you're in sort of siloed uh, messaging <laughs> environments. Well, there
1: there you go. Well, thank you for sharing that bit of info. Uh, it's always good to be brought up to date with uh, with the latest uh, trends and. Technology for young girls. Thank there's, you. There's still a
2: lot of cat photos. You'll be pleased to know.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Hey, well, um, I think that winds us up for this week. Uh, we'll be. Uh in trouble if we, uh, if we keep chit-chatting for, uh, for too much longer. So um, thank you, gentlemen, for, uh, for joining me here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, Tim, uh, where's the best place to track you down online? You, you occasionally get on Twitter, I, I notice, from time to time. Not quite so busy. Not,
2: not so much. No, not it's, not, not yeah. so
1: much. My Twitter feed mostly goes one way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're watching what everyone else has to say. But to me, hey,
0: if you want to find me.
1: excellent. Excellent. And, uh, Nate, we don't even need to ask you yours because no. you've
0: already, you've already told us. It's just <laughs> Nate on Twitter. Yeah. And, um, also blog on Geekson or natedunn.com is, refers through to my blog on Geekson if you can't find it. So.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, you can track me down online, uh, at Paul Spain on Twitter or, uh, or similar across the other social networks. And uh techjungle.com com, uh, is where my blog posts go up, although um there hasn't been a huge amount of exciting activity on there lately other than announcements of uh new podcast each week. Um and I write in a few other uh places around the the net and so on. Um and you can find uh NZ Tech Podcast online, nztechpodcast.com. Uh we're on uh, Facebook.com slash NZTechpodcast uh and on uh Twitter and google plus as well so feel free to uh, hit us up on those channels always uh, always good to hear from everyone and we're worth uh, following us in those places to sort of you know, catch up with news and uh, snippets of local information during the week that you won't uh, get from sort of following i guess the um the yeah, the big international uh, channels so hey thanks everyone see you next week